So today I want to do something a little bit different and um, it feels like we're not quite halfway through the first year, we're a bit further beyond that, but it's, I feel almost like it's a, it's a half-time talk. Do you know, like we're, we're gathering into the locker room and we're gathering in and um, Paul would often say at the beginning of letters, he would just share some of his heart and share some of his emotions and his feelings and his thoughts and how he feels about the church. And I feel a little bit like this is one of those moments where we just gather in together. We, we are now 238 days old as a church plant. Did you know that? And um, just a moment before we pause, we're going to launch into a brand new teaching series next week. Um, but I feel it's a pivotal moment for us and as a family of churches as well. What I really want to do is just share some of the context briefly as where I feel we're at and then help us respond to one particular prophetic word that many of us are already living with in this room and across regions beyond and other churches that I feel is for us. Um, I feel there is a transition moment for us, spiritually speaking, where we need to be shaped by this moment. And I was just thinking back over the last 238 days and plus thinking what an incredible journey it has been it was three years ago that Steve Trevor and myself sat down in a travel lodge I think it was a premier inn in Norwich and received a word from God and all nodded at each other not knowing what it would entail thinking yes we feel something of God in leading us to start and establish a brand new church plant in central London. That was three years ago. It was two years ago that God spoke to Stephen Heather to say, would you help spearhead this plant into the centre of London? 238 days ago that we launched and here we are. And what I f feel like for us where we're, we're at at this moment is we are still gathering in the launch team. This is how I feel about us as a church plant right now. Because the way that we launched back in September the 9th, if you remember it, um, it was a bit of a big bang. Lots of people hadn't met each other yet and suddenly on September the 9th they were part of a church together. The leadership team I think met three days prior to us even starting. So all of us were introducing ourselves to one another and we had to get going. We felt the moment was now. We had to seize the moment and go for it. And what I feel like we're in a season now is we're still gathering the launch team, getting ready for our autumn relaunch. There, it, when you send a rocket up and I haven't done so but I've watched NASA do so you, you see these rockets go up and there are stages to the launch aren't there and there's this 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 and launch and the rocket gets lifted up into orbit or atmosphere or the stratosphere one of those layers that it has and every time it goes through a certain phase things on the rocket happen bits detach and are let go of other rockets are ignited and new things have to be engaged and i feel like we're still at the phase where we are kind of launching a vision and a community together on mission in london and we are entering into a new phase which is going to launch in the autumn term where a new bit of the rocket will be detached as it were and we're going to engage some new thrusters that are going to take us on to the the next level and i i am so grateful for what god has been doing 
in preparing us as a launch team yeah. for this autumn yeah, term. Yeah. The gifts that are in this room and who can't make it today, some are sick and are away, is incredible. You look around the, 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 the team and you feel like, wow, God has blessed us with strength and depth and character and blessing and power, right. people of vision, people of purpose. If you're here in this room today and you're a Christian, you are here because you know God has called you and he's blessed us, hasn't he, over the last few months. It's been an incredible, even the fact that we have this venue with this location at the price that we got it, it's incredible for us. We've got our own midweek base in the offices at Central Working. That wasn't a plan. That was a blessing from God. We thought we'd be working out of Pret-a-Manger for the next couple of years in our you know, kind of camping out there. But God's blessed us with a, a home in the, the heart of London. There are things already opening up. There's a team who are going to Providence House with Esther this afternoon. AJ is going to be preaching. Darren's going to be leading worship to help and bless some young people in Battersea this afternoon. God is opening up doors for us. Even this week, I had a conversation with someone who I, I wish I could tell you more, but I can't, with a potential door that is, might open for us as a church plant that will bless us and position us in quite an incredible way yet to be unfolded but God is God is doing <laughs> I really can't but I haven't even told the team yet it just happened a few days back and um, God's blessing us isn't he he's really blessing us and we're a people that have been born by the Holy Spirit we believe that God speaks to us and that we are people who are led by the prophetic. I was not expecting to be here in the Doubletree three years ago, or even two years ago, even one year ago before we knew where we would land up. And here we are, a community with a vision that God would do something incredible in London, in our generation. Don't you feel like you want to see God do an incredible work in our generation i'm so hungry that god would answer prayers of generation past in our generation and there is a growing sense i believe that god does want to do something in our generation and reverse the statistical trends of church life right now in our capital city there is a growing sense amongst not just regions beyond churches, not just New Frontiers churches or Pentecostal churches, across Anglican churches, Baptist churches. There is a sense right across the church in London and the nation that the Lord wants to do something afresh in this generation. And for me, myself, I am hungry to see God do that. I don't want to just be a person who prays for great things, but someone who has, gets to see, like Simeon, I have seen with my eyes, Lord, great wonders. Now I can go home and rest in your presence. I want to be a generation who sees it. Amen. Amen. Rory Watts, who leads one of our churches in Johannesburg, Keystone Church, he prophesied these words um, just a few weeks ago now. And he said this, he says, I believe God is taking us into a new era. He says, it's not a change of season as it is not something we have experienced before. New eras present a total change of landscape. 
which brings about such a significant change in the mode of operation. Seasons are recognisable those who've experienced them before and one can find yourself back at the same point. A new era is something totally new. It's an incredible word. And we believe God speaks. And when God does speak, there are at least two things that we need to do. The first thing when we feel like God is speaking is to talk back to God. Very simply say, Lord, is this you speaking? So we hear a prophetic word. Someone speaks and has a sense that the Lord is guiding us, leading us, shaping us, directing our path. The first thing that we need to do is simply just pray back to the Lord. Is this you, Lord? Are you speaking right now? Am I hearing rightly? We're told that the shepherd speaks and the sheep hear his voice. We say, Lord, is this your voice and will I follow? So we start this communication, this conversation with the Lord. And the second thing we do is that we share this word with others around us so if you've ever had someone speak into your life a prophetic word something that maybe was out of the blue you think yeah that does resonate or it doesn't resonate one of the first things to do is simply to ask a trusted friend what do you think let me just share it with you because as you articulate it out loud and you have someone reflect back on it together we get to sense is this the Lord and is he leading us and this has been happening over the last few weeks and there have been leaders right across regions beyond that in their hearts have been saying yes and amen this is the Lord speaking and taking us into something brand new for us taking us into a new era not a season but a new era where we are going to have to be reshaped if we're going to walk into everything that God has and what I want to help us do is just respond to this word to respond to what God is saying, I believe, and how we need to posture ourselves if we are going to live in everything that God has called us to. For some of you here this morning, you might not even know what a prophetic word is. You might be new to church, new to Christianity. You might have heard of churches who talk about prophetic words and you don't feel too comfortable right now because you think, hasn't all the prophetic stuff been closed up with the Bible and now we're moving on and don't we have the, isn't this contradicting the Bible. The Bible actually in the New Testament, when the, this new epoch gets arrived with the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, what happens is that the Holy Spirit begins to guide every believer's steps and it's an incredible journey you see the church taking this journey and they're not quite sure where but every step of the way we see the holy spirit guiding directing shaping leading speaking and it all comes under this banner of prophecy it's this amazing ability that every single believer has when we are following christ to hear the voice of God, that we now actually come sons and daughters of the Most High, the Lord, and He speaks directly to one of us. So you don't have to go to a man of God or a woman of God to hear the Word of God, that actually we can all go to God ourselves and say, Lord, what would you like me to do? And the Lord speaks to us. Sometimes it feels like a whisper. Sometimes I can see a shout in your face, but the Lord guides us. Sometimes we only know the Lord's prophetic leading retrospectively. We think we're muddling through. We think, how am I going to make, I'm not really sure. I'm trying to get wisdom along the way. And then we look back and we see, oh my goodness, the Lord has been guiding us every single 
step of the way. The scriptures talk about a God who doesn't just create the world and then sit back and watch on as his followers try and work everything out. Or like there's this kind of moral X factor going on and seeing who will make it and who won't. Who will be made known as righteous and who won't. And at the end of the day, I might just lift them up into heaven if they've been good enough. What we're told is that God creates the heavens and the earth and then he steps in, in the person of Jesus Christ and actively is involved and speaks continually by the Holy Spirit today. We have an enchanted world that we live in by the Holy Spirit. And the prophetic word is simply us responding to God's intervention and guidance. And so we have this word with us that we are walking into a new era. And so I'm not making anything up at this point. I'm not trying to like stick my finger in the air and think, think, you know, what should I say? All I've been doing is praying back to God and listening to what other people have been saying. And I believe there are at least five things that we need to emphasize, be shaped by, be willing to walk into if we are going to embrace everything that God has for us in this new era. And I feel it's so key for us as we look towards the autumn term and begin to look at our relaunch in the autumn term, this new phase that we're gonna walk into, if we're gonna walk into everything that God has for us, I feel we have to begin to embrace these things. For me, I feel that, and I was reflecting on what breakthrough looks like. You know, when you, when you get to a breakthrough moment, even the language, if you think about it, breakthrough, there is a sense of like attrition and where something has got to get worn down or broken, doesn't it? <laughs> and to walk into a breakthrough moment, it can feel like times where it's hard. It can feel like times like th- this needs a bit more of a push. And it, it might feel like either that's gonna break or I'm gonna break because you are pushing against something needs to be broken. If, if you ever tried to go through concrete with a drill and you have to get that like hammerhead thing going on, you're like, you, you, you feel like either this drill is now gonna break and get so hot it's just gonna combust or I'm gonna break through this piece of concrete. That is what happens in a breakthrough moment. And I feel like even Cheryl sharing that word is a, is a sense that we are actually pushing into something new and it is we're gonna require some, an, an extra vigilance, yeah. an extra focus, an extra willingness to keep pushing where we might have said in the past like okay well that not not sure that works okay let's actually there is a moment now that we need to push and forge into if we're going to see on the other side the fruit that the lord wants to bear through us in our city very good so five things for us the first thing that we're going to have to do if we're going to embrace the new era is that we are going to have to let go of some of the old might sound very simple but we're going to have to let go of some of what we have known that is now in the past because here's what can happen what can happen is when we trying to forge forward with Jesus sometimes that we hold on to the past in such a way that it actually becomes a weight to us and a hindrance to us so that we cannot actually grasp with both hands what the Lord is doing in this moment right now 
for anything new that we want to press into, sometimes the past can be a hindrance. Sometimes people take the past and they measure everything by what is happening now, by what happened in a certain golden era, whatever it might be. One era that we lived through or that we've read about, or sometimes the past just becomes this big measuring rod by which everything today gets criticised by or matched again to think, well, it's not quite like this, so it can't quite be right. And what happens is, is that faith diminishes for what God is actually doing now and we miss out. There are times and seasons where we have to stop, reflect, celebrate what has happened in the past and leave it in the past if we're going to forge forward with what God wants to do today. Mark Jones, who leads the church in Gloucester, he said these words and prophesied over us he says we can live on that the mem- we can live on the memory of yesterday's fires at which we warmed our hands at the expense of the reignition of fresh fire today Yest- yesterday's fuel has become today's ash let the history books record those great days. However, it is detrimental to the future if we dwell at a pile of ash because it was once a raging fire. It is time to shake the ash from the grate so that the breath of the spirit for the new era can touch and ignite the apostolic embers. And um, Mike shared this incredible, fascinating insight from 2 Kings 18. And uh, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read it for us because there are some things in the past that God did that were incredible. And even incredible godly exploits birthed by the Holy Spirit sometimes need to be deliberately left in the past so that we can move on. There was a moment where God's people left Egypt and Moses led them out into the wilderness and uh, God's people had this incredible deliverance, uh, this miracle done for them by God through the hands of Moses. The Red Sea parted. They got to walk through the Red Sea. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet Moses found himself leading a people who continued to grumble and complain. Can you imagine? And you read the account of Exodus and again and again and again, multiple times a chapter we read of God's people complaining. And you think you have Moses as your leader. Like if, if you want a really good leader, Moses is probably up there in the top 10 leaders that you would like. And yet still they have Moses as their leader and they're like, no, 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 no. Moses, you're not doing things quite right. We should have done this. What about this? We should turn back and go back to Egypt. Which gives me great heart because if Moses had lots of grumblings like it's okay if I do a minnow like me he says all of this happened and because of these grumblings and these complainings these fiery serpents were told were sent into the camp to bring some humility and chastisement to God's people and so we're told that people were beginning to get bit and die because of these serpents they'd be going home at night going to bed and in the tent there'd be this snake hiding under a blanket and they would get bitten And so God speaks to Moses and says, what you need to do is to create this um, bronze serpent and stick it on a pole. And everyone who has been bitten by one of these snakes, they need to go to this serpent and they need to look in trust in God. And as they look to this bronze serpent, they will be healed and they won't die. And what happens? 
people who get bitten go to this pole with this bronze snake and they look and trust on the Lord and they look to the snake and they are healed. It's an amazing moment, a miraculous moment. And God's people are brought through this terrible chastisement because they look on the bronze snake and they're healed. And what happens? They break camp and they move on with their rest of their lives. And yet a few people take the bronze snake and they tuck it away. And what we're told is that after a few generations, what God had once used as a blessing, God's people now worshipped as an idol and they took this bronze snake a blessing from God something that God had used and we're told that they had begun to use it like an idol and they began to imbibe magical spiritual power in the bronze metal itself and so people became superstitious about this bronze snake And this is what we're told about this young man called Hezekiah, a reforming king in 2 Kings 18. It says, In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah, which are all the idolatrous, just bad things that God people had been distracted by. And then we're told this fascinating thing, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among the kings of Judah after him, nor were those before him. For he held fast to the Lord, and he did not depart from following the Lord. So this amazing thing, you'd expect him, he's a reforming king, we want to see God's people restored back to true worship. So he goes around breaking down all the idols, all the things that are worshipping other gods, and he takes the thing that God had said to make, and he says, we are even going to break that snake, because it is a hindrance to us now. It is distracting your heart from what God is wanting to do today. And there are some things that we need to dismantle in our minds and in our hearts, and break and leave in the past and celebrate and then move on there will be a day when all the exploits done by Jesus and the Holy Spirit will be celebrated in full but today is not the day to keep harboring back to those days the Lord wants to do a new thing For some of us, it's a brand new church plant and this kind of church feels very new for us. Getting on a train on a Sunday just feels very new to us and there's a temptation and a danger to keep matching this experience with previous church planting experiences or this leadership experience with that leadership experience or this experience of the Holy Spirit with that experience of the Holy Spirit and we continually match it and and measure it and we always feel slightly dissatisfied and therefore we miss out on what God's doing right now. And we need to celebrate everything that's gone. Moves of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can experience incredible encounters with God. Corporately, even as churches. And there can be a sense in which every time we're trying to press into God today, we're actually still trying to get back to what happened a couple of decades back. We're still trying to get that old feeling, the old thing back. And the Lord is saying, this is a new era. 
So as I'm praying, Lord, would you do a remarkable work? I'm not asking that the Lord would do the same thing that he did with me when I was 12 years old. Or that he did the same thing that he did with Wesley and Whitfield and Shaftesbury. I'm saying, Lord, I'm open to you. What is it going to look like today? Do a new thing amongst us. It is going to feel different, just like it did in the the past does that make sense so for some of us we need to get before god and say lord what am i holding on to that might be hindering me for this moment right now what am i still measuring everything by in this moment that's the first thing we need to let some things go the second thing is that we need to get god's heart for london it's one thing to think biblically and theologically about the Bible and about London and the the state of where we believe people are at spiritually, it is quite another to feel emotionally about what God feels for London. We can think uh, very orthodoxly about the Bible and spiritually about how where we believe people are and yet we can feel heretically. Does that make sense? We can have true thoughts about the Bible and about people and we can, we can give an accurate assessment. We can even think God's thoughts after him. And yet our emotions and our hearts could actually be far from God. And what we need in this new era is for us to think theologically and biblically and accurately and feel accurately about how God feels about our city because I believe only then will we actually begin to see a resurrection of what God wants to do in our city only once we've been burdened and even broken by the pain and the sorrow and the loneliness and the hurt and the spiritual lostness of those that we meet almost on a daily basis only then we will see a move of God. You read the history books and you see those who have been used by God have had a moment when they were crushed under the weight of the plight of some people that they wanted to serve. Some of you have burdens right now or you are doing things that you never thought you would do and you look back and it was because there was a moment when your heart got broken for a people group, for a demographic, for a situation, for an area, for a ministry. And that is why God has led you into what you're in right now. Steve spoke to us when we were in Marathon um, from Nehemiah. Um, Not at the Marathon last week, I should say, if you're new with us. We went to the Marathon in Greece a few weeks back to a conference. And and he spoke to us from Nehemiah chapter 1. And we read these words about Nehemiah who hears about the situation that is going on in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the jewel of the Jewish people's eye, the the most precious of all cities, Mount Zion, the place where God chose to dwell in his glory in the temple. 
and he has this report given back to him that the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. And what happened seemingly is that there was a generation of people, of God's people, who had accepted the situation in Jerusalem and just had accepted the status quo and were beginning to move on with their lives and were beginning to settle down and have children and find new jobs in a foreign land and just say, this is how it's going to be. And yet one man saw the broken glory of God over this city and this was his response. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And he recounts his prayer back to God. He was freshly broken by the situation in his hometown. And it was that brokenness that led him to get before God, that led him on to exploits that he would never have imagined going on. And he's now written in the Bible because of the exploits he went on. We will never walk into a new era with God if our hearts remain numbed to the plights of London. It will just never happen because we will see it and move on. See it and move on. And if I'm honest, you know, I was reflecting on this as Steve was speaking to us and I've lived in London now almost all my life. I spent six years in Leeds studying to get a degree in finding Toria, although that's not quite why I knew why, but now I know why God had me in Leeds so I could bring my northern bride back to London. And um, I know that I can get cold towards the needs of London. Get on the tube, go to work, people, people, people. Yep, they're rude to me. Okay, used to that, whatever. Okay, and I just shut down a little bit because I've got things to do. And if, 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 I'm going to see all that the Lord wants to do with my life, let alone our life together as a community, it will be because we see afresh with the eyes of God and feel with the heart of God all that he wants to do and restore. This is a broken city. It's a very, we know that. We know it's a broken city. Loneliness, depression, anxiety, debt, spiritual lostness, spiritual wandering, a longing for purpose and meaning, and yet seemingly with so little space to stop and think about these questions that have eternal significance. And I'm honestly, at points, quite nervous. Like, what would it mean for me, Lord, if I really did feel your heart for London? I feel like I get to this kind of infinite crevice before me. I think I I could be lost if I felt the kind of pain that you felt, such a pain that would lead you, God, even to the cross. I don't know what it would mean for my diary, for my life, for my money, for my time. What would it mean for like how I live my life if I truly felt it is a slightly daunting prospect. But I believe we have to just begin to dip our toe into the heart of God and allow ourselves to feel that. Part of that's going to mean just praying, Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you help me see what you see, feel what you see? 
part of it's just going to be opening our eyes and looking with fresh eyes in our communities where we live where we work walking around just saying lord show me how you feel right now in this place if we're going to experience because what will happen in that place is that there will be ideas and dreams birthed because in brokenness, God loves to bring resurrection. And in brokenness, God loves to bring healing. And in brokenness, God loves to bring a solution. And it's only in this place where we feel we have nothing that the Lord will say, and here is my resurrection plan to bring healing and wholeness because God has a great plan for our city, amen? And it's as we walk in that place, where did Nehemiah get his inspiration? All these sudden, this download of plans because he suddenly saw and he was broken and in this place of prayer and fasting suddenly God dropped dreams into his heart he says I'm going to go back to Jerusalem I'm, I'm going to throw in my current job and I'm going to go back to Jerusalem I'm going to restore the walls I don't know how Lord I need you to help me but I I know my, the course of my life has now been changed. The trajectory of where I'm going has been changed. And I'm walking back to Jerusalem. I am going to do something about my hometown. Yeah. That all comes from a broken heart. We need just to begin to walk in it. We need just to tenderize ourselves in the presence of God together. One of the things we're going to do, and uh, Onahili and Abdullah have been plotting and praying, about going out on the streets more regularly because an interesting thing happens when you go out on the streets it's very awkward because no, no one's no one's like yes i'd like to go shopping so i can meet another person who's going to hand me a flyer and talk to me about jesus that's not on the top of people's minds when they're going out into town but it does this amazing thing as you go out and put yourself in a vulnerable place you actually get to meet people and see people and experience reactions and conversations in a way that you wouldn't do if you're living your normal life. Friends, work, home, hobby, doing my thing like this. When you place yourself outside of that comfort zone, outside of that context, and put yourself in a place where you're meeting people and you, you look with fresh eyes. AJ and I went out the other day just for an hour walking around and suddenly you're awakened in a new way to what's actually going on around in our city. And so let me encourage you as we begin to do this, I think maybe Saturday mornings or something for an hour or two hours, whatever, just take a moment in your life and just say, I'm just going to put myself in a very awkward position. <laughs> Because I believe there's good news. Amen. There is actually a God who is out there forgiving sins, giving you life, telling people that you can have your shame and your guilt washed away. It's utterly good news. We might just take a moment of our day and say, could I tell you about it? So that's what we're going to do. One of the things. Thirdly, I think we're going to have to be willing to live with, I'll call it discomfort it sounds more palatable than persecution <laughs> but it might be closer to where we're at right now because actually most of our life is geared up towards finding the path of least resistance actually mo our, most of our lives if we're honest when we look around and we take an assessment of our life and our diaries and our times and our careers and the trajectory of where we go our, our life is based around the path of least resistance and most comfort and peace that's the kind of dream that we're all sold. This growing progression of peace and comfort. And the life is an accumulation of all the things that are going to give me that thing. 
the relationships and the, the, the home and the life and the job, everything that's going to give me the right, just give me this life of peace. And yet the lifestyle of Christians in the early church was almost the complete opposite because they realized that they were following a Messiah who was crucified. And if I follow a Messiah who was crucified, who was going down into the depths of pain and lived constantly with discomfort to see a great work of God in his generation, then it would be odd for us to be those who seek the opposite and are always seeking the path of least resistance. If we're going to follow God into this new era, there is a belief, and I believe it, that there is a sense in the spirit that there is going to be some discomfort with it. Because I know in my mind, you think, kingdom advance. <laughs> I know I think, we're going to advance the kingdom. This is an era where the kingdom is going to advance. The last thing on my mind is the difficulties that that might entail. It tends to feel like, I think, like the disciples first heard Jesus when he said the kingdom is going to be established. I think in my mind, and I think in others as well, when we hear that, we feel like it's promotion time. Amazing, like we're coming into this new era where we're going to be recognized and established and the kingdom is going to be established and the world will finally back off and applaud us and say, well done. Yes, we actually agree that Jesus is Lord. That's kind of how we deep down feel. But when you look at the New Testament, what happens is kingdom advance is always married up with difficulties and suffering. How does the kingdom advance? through pain most of the time how does the kingdom advance out of jerusalem into the surrounding areas through a persecution that came on the city and people had to flee it's how how did jesus see a great revival birth that is going to change the whole of history forever in eternity through pain and suffering if we're going to walk into this there's going to be a willingness not to seek it but to embrace it um, Donna, would you mind just coming up for a second? Um, can we give Donna a big round of applause? Um, I, I feel this, I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making this stuff up. One, I've got a Bible and we've got prophets <laughs> and the Holy Spirit around us. But Donna just texted like a week ago and just sh shared this download really along these lines. And I was going to read something of what Donna had said in the text, I thought, actually, blow this. I'd rather have Donna just share this with her own voice and her own heart. And Donna lives in an amazing world, living with some of the wealthiest and some of the poorest. And I'd just like for you to share some of your heart and how you feel like what the Lord's leading us into. Yeah, I just, um, I just felt really, um, when we were at the uh, marathon gathering, we had some prayer meetings that um, leading up to it and uh, there was somebody somebody said something about martyrs and it just really um, struck uh, something in me that just made me think that in this new era, era I just felt like God was saying that part of it's going to be defined by sacrifice and um, that there will be those that literally lay their lives down but that actually that we're um, to be to be marked out by the fact that we are willing to count the cost and that you know it's a it's a principle of the kingdom that there's no victory without sacrifice and and while not everybody will 
physically die um, as, a, as a follower of, of Jesus in that way, that there's a cost to be paid in, even in what um, you know, you've just been saying, uh, Daniel, just the thing of, are we prepared even to weep over this city because it ta- it's not comfortable? You know, we have to let ourselves be moved and let God move our hearts. And I've just been very personally challenged over this, again, just obviously with um, the context in Burundi that's not safe and it's not comfortable. And often people will say, well, is it safe? And, and uh, you're like, well, you can't really say that it is, but God, um, I know that God has called me and therefore there's a grace for it. And it, I don't know what the outcome will be, but I do know that whatever happens, um, God will work all things together for the good and it's his glory that that counts and that's what we're here for and so I just felt really that in these uh, days I feel ch- personally challenged but for us as Trinity and in regions beyond that there just needs to be a, a new mindset of us not being wired for our own safety and comfort and where our biggest thing is well no I must protect my own life or I must protect my pension or my whatever it may be you know whatever level it's on um but to give ourselves our time our heart to let our hearts be broken and our and our money and to be willing to lay down our lives uh, which will look like different things but actually what does it mean for jesus to be to be lord so yeah i hope that doesn't sound too heavy but i just feel it's it's for the glory of god ultimately and that uh, yeah, Jesus said, "Pick up, pick up yeah, our cross." So yeah. it's not a comfortable ride. No, <laughs> thank you, Donna. Yeah, thank you, Donna. I wonder if we couldn't just pause for a moment and just, just pray. Um, there's a few more words to be said, but um, you might want to just open out your hands to the Lord. If you're not a believer here and you're just watching on and you just listen in, it's fine. Um, but just to respond and just because the, the, there, there is a seriousness to these words. Um, there's a weight to them. And uh, Lord, I just want to ask for your grace, Lord, your Holy Spirit right now. Lord, we live with a church around the globe that we're told is being persecuted, the most persecuted people group. This report that even says it's touching genocide levels particularly in the Middle East, Lord, and these are our brothers and sisters. It has always been this way since the birth of the church, Lord. And Father, we know we will see them in glory, and great is the reward for those who have gone before us, Lord. But I ask right now, in a culture that is so wired for personal comfort, Lord, would you lead us on the righteous path? Would you lead us on the cross-shaped path? Would you lead us down the path of fruitfulness, Lord, that will mean pruning at points, that will mean discomfort at points, Lord? Father, corporately, I think we say together, we would rather live in discomfort and see a great work of God than live in comfort and not see anything at all. Lord, these are our best prayers in this moment. Lord, would you establish this in our hearts even as we go from this place down the line, I ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just share two more things. I'd love love us to respond. Fourthly, I think there's going to be a shift for us in this new era from what maybe has been a mindset in the past 
where our Christian life and our Christian leadership will mainly be exercised outside of this Sunday morning. Does that make sense? So our Christian life and our Christian leadership will mainly, important word, mainly be exercised outside of this Sunday meeting. Because I think in the past there has been this mindset that if I'm a passionate Christian and if I want to grow in leadership, that the place where all of my Christianity gets worked out is on a Sunday morning where everyone gets together. And it's very unhelpful on a lot of levels because it leaves a lot of people very frustrated because they feel like I'm never actually exercising my full leadership capacity because somehow we have along the way tied up Christian leadership with having a microphone in a Sunday meeting. And yet when you read the scriptures, it's almost the opposite that is true. Paul says these words in Ephesians chapter 4, and he kind of turns everything on its head. Let me just read these words for us. We've just been teaching through them. He says these words. He says, and he gave apostles, that's Jesus, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God so when I was at Baptist College training to be a minister people would talk about going into the ministry are you going into the ministry so it's very interesting I didn't quite understand what into the ministry meant But actually what Paul seems to be saying here is that when you go to Bible college and you actually get released to help the church, what happens is you actually step out of ministry. That's what he seems to be saying. You're the ones now stepping out of ministry to help those who are in the workplace, in the home, raising children, do the actual ministry. You see, he's actually turning everything on his head. So my role is to actually not do the ministry, but to help and equip a whole army of believers to be dispersed and sent into London to do the ministry. This is where it happens. And I think there's going to be a mentality shift for us that when we think about my Christian leadership, my Christian life, spiritual gifts, my first thought is, how is this going to work in the world? place how is this going to work at home how am i going to disciple those that god has given into my care on my team my children my neighbors how is my leadership going to be exercised where's my influence going to happen there how is my the saltiness of my life going to infiltrate the city so that people know about the kingdom of god so that when i come close to them the kingdom of god is coming close rather than this old mindset where i'm just going to wait till church happens and then i can do my christian thing does that make sense we need leaders to arise in the church we need them to arise we need apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers we need men and women strong in the faith to lead god's people but the emphasis of this gathering is not so that we all get to exercise all the spiritual gifts but that we come to a huddle with jesus and jesus says this is what we're going this is what we're going to do this is how i'm going to equip you for this week and then we go out into our life to do the stuff Amen. There's a big mind shift that we've got to go through. But it's we're walking out into the world and saying, Lord, what are you doing now? Well, how is my influence and my leadership going to be exercised now? That's the fourth thing. And the final thing is this. I believe there's going to be a, a new simplicity to our pursuit of God. 
a new simplicity to our pursuit of God. And it might just be my temptation, so here's just me being vulnerable for a moment, but there is a temptation in my heart when you're church planting in central London to always look around the corner at the new shiny ministry or the new shiny church or the new shiny website and trying to think, what are they doing that is the secret that we can then take and put on board in our church and activate in our church so that we can walk in their kind of fruitfulness? You ever felt that? I do anyway, so confession time. I look at it like, what, what is the thing that we need to do? What's the little trick, the strategy, the... what? And actually, again and again, when you come to the scriptures, what you read is believers, very simply, following God. We had Terry Virgo, I helped lead a leadership school with Regions Beyond. Then we had Terry Virgo come and speak to us. Terry Virgo, as, as Steve spoke about, the man who's almost in his 80s now, has lived with an influence that is like almost unsurpassed in the Christian world in this generation. Just an incredible man of God. And I asked him to come to speak to us about what it is to walk with God as a leader. And uh, I was not expecting what we got because he came to us and spoke for three hours on how to worship Jesus, how to pray, how to read the Bible, good biographies and books to read that will stir your heart. He spoke about a very simple, unsophisticated Excellent. pursuit of Jesus Christ. Excellent. And Jesus says in John 15 that the way that fruitfulness comes is through simply abiding in God living in God that's not a passive thing you think abide I'm just going to sit back and abide it's an active pursuit of a God who has already pursued us and I feel like for us there's going to be a an unsophisticatedness about us actually we're very simple what's our secret we pray to Jesus we worship and exalt the name of Jesus. What's your secret? We eat up his word at every opportunity. What's your secret? We fast and awaken our souls to a new passion for the glory of God. What's your secret? We make an effort to gather in the same room together to stir one another up and encourage one another in good deeds and love. We're going to follow Jesus. Amen. It is a simple, unsophisticated pursuit of the one who loves us. And I believe in this simplicity, we will find God and all that he has for us. So what we're going to do, we're going to carry on. If you've been with us for a while, we're going to, we fast on the first Wednesday of every month. And that's not just a by-the-by thing. It was deep down in my heart before we launched, I knew we have got to be a church that prioritizes prayer and fasting. Even reading in Acts this morning, again, a moment, it was through prayer and fasting that a new breakthrough happened. I believe this is going to be a bedrock of our church and there'll be other days beside this. I know on a Tuesday night when it comes to that Wednesday morning, it's not the thing that's like on the top of everyone's priority list. I'm there as well. Okay, Lord, here we go again. But every time we do, we take a big step forward spiritual, spiritually. And what we're also going to do is we're going to give some devoted times of extended worship and prayer to just being in the presence of the Lord together because we haven't had that yet as a church plan we've been busy we've been working out structures and how we work together but we want to now press in centrally so we're going to gather 
I'll send this out later. But on Wednesday, the 22nd of May, in the evening, seven o'clock for a 7.30 start at Central Working at the office space. And we're gonna worship and pray. And we're gonna get into the presence of God together and pursue him. Amen. We're going to abide in him. We're going to see because a lot of what we're doing and talking about here is going to be marinated and birthed in the presence of God. So we're going to do that. I'll send out the details later, but we need to prioritize this. So let me encourage you with your Bible reading and your prayer and your fasting and your pursuit of God and even attendance on a Sunday, because this is us pursuing God together. You think, okay, it's just a Sunday. No, it's not a Sunday meeting. We are on a march. We are, we are looking for God. And there is more joy, more depth, more power for us. Amen? Very good. Amen. Can I have the band back up? And I would love us to respond to this. Because this feels like a moment where we have to do something. Respond in some fashion. The church that I see Trinity Church London as is is one that's willing to let go of the past and embrace the future. I see this church that is willing to embrace discomfort. I also see a church that will be receive the favor from the city and also lose favor from the city because of a righteous path that we walk down and we hold it both lightly. I see a church that's unsophisticated and simple in its pursuit of God. People might say, what's your secret, Jesus? Why do you see so many people baptized, Jesus? Why is there so much power and joy in your life, Jesus? And I see this ever-growing church, not a black church, not an Asian church, not a white church, God's church. Nations gathering together, a home in a lonely city growing and growing and growing would you do this amongst us Lord I pray Lord we're your launch team Lord I believe there is a new phase we're going to walk into in the autumn term Lord help prepare our hearts Lord for every phase that you're going to take us through as we journey into the future with you be with us I ask Maybe if I can ask you to stand, I'd like to read a prayer that got read out at Marathon at the conference. And it's actually an old, old prayer that Francis Drake, a Christian pioneer, prayed and wrote down. What I want to do is read this prayer and I'm going to invite you that if you want to be part of what God wants to do, with us as a seed walk into this new era I'm just going to invite you to come down the front and maybe if I could ask some of the, the leadership team to also come Charles and Nick if you could just come down the front just to be ready to pray for you but this is a way of us responding to the Lord and saying I want to cross a line and walk into something fresh in God if you don't want to there's no pressure don't do this because others are doing it it's awkward but if you know in your heart i want to embrace everything that the lord has for me i think the very simple thing we can do is just mark it out by stepping forward this is what francis drake 
prayed and I pray it for myself I pray it for us disturb us Lord when we are too pleased with ourselves and when our dreams have come true because we dream too little when we think we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore disturb us O Lord when abundance of things we possess we have lost our thirst for the waters of life having fallen in love with life we have ceased to dream of eternity and in our efforts to build a new earth we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim disturb us O Lord to dare more boldly to venture onto wilder seas where storms will show your mastery where losing sight of land we shall find the stars we ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength courage hope and love and this we ask in the name of our captain who is Jesus Christ